Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, we're going to start a new series today about don't settle. Don't settle in life, man. That Many times we settle in life for, for less than what God has promised us in His Word. And once again, our level of obedience to the Word of God has everything to do with the return on the Word of God. So when you obey the Word of God, I'm going to tell you right now, something's going to happen. Now, as you're turning there to Deuteronomy 30, let me give you a little uh, story here today about how not to settle. You know, the, the men of iron this year, my brother did a deal with uh, a young man that lives in Claremore, Oklahoma. And I, a little over a year or so ago, that this young man was out in the middle of nowhere playing around on a four-wheeler and he wrecked it. And so they had to air vacuum out of there. And... Uh, in talking to him, I believe that he told me that they coded him dead seven times. That they'd say he's dead. He's dead. And so one of the pastors back there, Rick Burke, it was his son's best friend. And he called Rick and he said, Dad, Kyle's dead. They've pronounced him dead. And thank God, Kyle had a mother that wouldn't settle. And his mother went back in there and she looked at the doctors and she let them know, I believe that God is a God of miracles. And she said, my son is a, is a fighter and God is still alive. And she said, now get back in there and do everything you can do and God will do the rest. I'm telling you guys, it takes people of faith like that right now. Just the rising in faith. And so by this happening, the young man is alive. And actually, yeah, he, he was at the Men of Iron, and I'm going to try to get some copies of some of the stuff he talked about, but my point in saying that, many times in our life, we just go ahead and settle. I want to stir you up today with the scriptures as far as you don't have to settle, that God wants us to move forward. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now this verse to me is a great invitation. It's a great invitation. And, and he says right here, I've set before you today. You know what that means? Right now. And he goes on to say, life and death, blessing and cursing. Now when you read this right here, Jesus gives us then this invitation. But he says, you're going to have to choose. See, life just doesn't happen. You choose in life, whether blessing or cursing, death or life. But Jesus gives us a great invitation here. Choose. Now, I always like this about Jesus here. He, he goes so far as to say, if some of you don't get it, I'm going to really help you. Life and death, blessing and cursing. Then you know what he does? He tells us the answer. He says, if you don't get it, listen to me. Choose life. This is the way we should go. Verse number 20, he begins to give us the guidelines on how we do that. That you may love the Lord your God. That you obey God, His voice, and that you cling to God. For God is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Now, to achieve this, guys, you understand, you're going to have to choose to love God, to obey God, to cling to God. 
That's a choice for every one of us. So for the next few weeks, guys, we're going to begin to talk about this. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. You know, I found in life the Word of God will work. It doesn't matter what, what day of the week it is. The Word of God will work no matter what, what month of the year it is. And many times we find this in our own lives. We'll say, the Word is not working. How many of you have ever said that? I said, the Word's not working. The Word's not working. Well, that's what we're going to find out today. Does the Word work? Yeah, it does. Mark 4, verse number 1. And you'll find the next few weeks, guys, this will be our main text, so we might as well get used to it. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and set it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then Jesus taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now when Jesus said there, listen, some translations say, give attention to this. This must be a big deal when Jesus highlights, listen. Verse 4. And it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, as we look at this, there's four different types of soil that's mentioned here. The first one is the wayside. The second one was the stony ground. The third one was the thorns. And the last one was good ground. And you can look back at verse 4, 5, 7, and 8 on every one of them. I believe this with all my heart that every one of us that are sitting in here right now, we fall in one of these categories. Now the goal here the upcoming weeks is begin to show you the Bible, what it says, how I don't settle in the area I'm at. Now if you look here, in every one of the cases, seed fell on every one of them. Every one of them. And so in saying that this morning, you'll find this out. That there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed will do precisely what it's supposed to do. An illustration of that, guys, if I was to plant watermelons in my backyard, I wouldn't plant the watermelon seed and then look at Shelly and say, I sure hope those cantaloupe come up. No. We understand that a seed will do precisely what it's supposed to do. What do you mean? You're going to have corn for corn, tomatoes for tomatoes, but even in this area... The seed of the Word of God will do precisely what it says to do. So when you look at this, seed fell on the ground. So, so the, the issue wasn't seed. So what was the issue? The type of ground that the seed fell in. Now the ground that he's talking about is my heart. It's your heart. And guess what? Every one of us in here choose what gets in our heart. And this is what he's trying to convey to them. Every one of them. My, my heart responds to the seed that's sown when my heart is right. Now let's go a little bit farther here. Verse 9. And Jesus said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know what that tells me, guys? Number one, I must be teachable. you got to be teachable. 
If you get to the point in life where you think you know it all, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to grow. So I've got to be teachable. Number two, I must hear the word. And number three, I must receive the word in order for the word of God to produce fruit in my life. Keep reading. Verse 10. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The, the word mystery there means something formally hidden. Now he said to you, it's been given to know the mystery or the secret. He wants us to know this stuff. Keep reading. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing, they may see and not perceive. And hearing, they may hear and not understand. So he's telling us here. Those who have already shut their eyes and ears to the word of God. It'll never benefit them. You and me. I can see the word of God. I can hear the word of God. But if I've closed my heart off to it, it won't benefit me, guys. I don't care who you are. How does that happen? Many, many times, if you have the thought, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in the word of God. You might as well get this in your life. You're not going to advance in the kingdom of God. I must be open to this. You must be open to it, okay? Keep reading with me. Least they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Verse 13. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now when I read what Jesus is telling us here, He's really giving us insight. He's saying, You want to be fruitful in the kingdom of God? You've got to understand this parable. He said, If you don't get this parable... You won't get any of them. In other words, get it or forget it. Now, in my own life, I look at it this way. This parable right here, it's the granddaddy of them all. This is how significant what Jesus was saying. Verse 14. And the sower sows the word of God. So when we talk about there how the seed fell, guys, he was talking about the word of God. The only thing that will bring significance to your life is the Word of God. The Word of God, that's it. That's the bottom line. That's why we must live by the Word, and you can't abandon the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you're going to sink. The Word of God is like spiritual vitamins to every one of us. And don't forget your spiritual vitamins right here. Now let's go a little bit farther, and we're going to look at the first one today. That it's talking about. And we'll hit the other three the next few weeks. So verse 14. The sower sows the word. Verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside. Where the word is sown. Now when I look at the wayside. I'm thinking what, what does that really mean? Well I begin to look at other translations. The message gave me a good one. It is the hardened soil of the road. So when I look at the, the wayside. What he's talking about is a hard heart. you got a hard heart. Now if you'll notice there, he said the word of God was sown. So they hear the word of God, but it falls on this hard ground of my life. So I got my garden here today, guys. And maybe this will help you see this. So think about this. This is the word of God. And when my heart is hard, the word of God comes and sits right on top of this. 
Do you know as well as I do that if I went in my backyard and threw a watermelon seed on the top of the ground that's very hard, that seed's never going to do anything. It's never going to get in there. And so this is what he's talking about. Until we prepare the condition of my heart, it's never going to get down in here. How do I compare my heart? Listen, guys, i got to be teachable. i got to see the Word, and i got to begin to hear the Word. i got to have a hunger for the Word, or listen, it will stay right here and never get on the inside of me. Keep reading. And these are the ones sown by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, when they hear, so you know what that tells me? They heard the Word. Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. So when you look at this, this is the only one of them, the four, that it says the devil comes after the word. Look real close at that. Who comes after the word that was sown? It says Satan comes. One translation says that he comes by force. Now think about this just for a little bit. If the devil comes immediately after the word of God that was sown in our hearts, it shows me that he understands the significance and the importance of the word of God. If he goes to these great extremes to try to get the word of God from you, he knows how important the word is. He realizes that it's our source. Now, a lot of times when we talk about the devil, guys, people actually have the mentality that the devil is like a Disney figure or a Disney character. Ah, the devil, he's, he's like Charlie Brown. Yeah, he's like Donald Duck. No, that's not who the devil is. John 10.10 10 says, the thief, the devil, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm going to tell you guys, that's his goal for every one of you in this room. To steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now this may be enlightening or unenlightening to some of you, or enlightening, but understand this, the devil doesn't like you. He doesn't like me or you. You know why? Because you are a creation from Father God. And he'll do everything he can to stop us. Now, I'm not trying to preach fear right here. I'm just trying to give you an insight of how the, who the devil is. The devil understands this, guys. That if he can steal the word of God from you, you'll never advance spiritually. You'll never progress spiritually. How do I know that? Well, in uh, John 8, 32, it says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is the word of God. Without the truth, you won't be set free. He knows in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The only way that faith comes, guys, is when I hear the Word of God. When I hear the Word of God, it starts happening on the inside of me. He knows this, that a part of your transformation is that of getting your mind renewed to the Word of God. Where's that? That's Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word. But he also knows this, the sword of the Spirit, which is... The Word of God according to Ephesians 6, 17. So right here, guys, he shows me, I do not want them getting the Word. Now, if he goes to that grade of extreme to get the Word, you know what that tells me? We got to go get the Word. But it falls back to this. This day, you choose 
You choose today. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I want to give you a couple little points right here. And I want you to see some things that I believe will help you today. Don't abandon the Word of God. Don't abandon it. And the key here today is this. I've got to live by the Word. I've got to obey the Word. The Word becomes the lamp unto my feet. The Word of God. And I believe this. You can, you can hunger for the Word of God just like you hunger for certain types of food. And where I hunger, I think, man, I've got to get the Word. I've got to get the Word. I've got to get the Word. You know, when you start eating and you want to eat healthy, a lot of times you don't have, you don't have a desire for asparagus and cauliflower. Man, you put that before your kids. You know what your kids do? I don't want that. I want mac and cheese. I want chicken fingers. But you find out the older you get, you learn you better start getting some of those vegetables in you. And when you start eating broccoli and cauliflower, you may say, I don't like that. But over a while, you know what? You begin to acquire a taste for it. I like broccoli. I like asparagus. Actually, if you put a dessert before me and broccoli and carrots and asparagus, you know what I'm going to take? Not the dessert. Some of you thought, he's going to take the dessert. No, I'm not. I've developed that and where I liked it. Well, see, it's the same with the Word of God. And when I start getting in the Word of God, there becomes a craving for it. Matthew 7, verse 13. Listen to this. Jesus' words enter by the narrow gate. Now that phrase right there, guys, it always, it always intrigues me a little bit because even as, as the Lord said there in Deuteronomy uh, 30, 19, I set before you life and death. And you know what He does? He chooses. He says, choose life. Well, right here, He tells us the answer again. He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. So right here you begin to see, in, in Jesus' words, there's two roads here. One's a narrow road, one's a wide road. This wide road, guys, he said many go in by it. So you know what he's telling me? That's the popular road. That's the easy road. And this is where many go in by. But you hear what he said? He said, but this road leads to destruction. And you know what it is to me? It's the flow of society. Let's do whatever we want. But then he jumps over in verse 14 and he says, Because narrow is the gate and difficult or hard is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, when I look at this right here in this verse, I believe this, to live on the narrow road, you're going to have to live by the Word of God. Is the Word of God sometimes difficult and hard? It can be. You know why you think about this when you really start, first start serving God and all your friends are doing this or doing that and you realize, you know what? i got a choice to make. Do I keep wanting to follow this, the easy road, or do I want to go over here? And many of you have been born again. You understood when you gave your heart to Jesus and tried to start serving God. Man, all your friends disappeared. We don't like you. You've got to leave me alone cologne on. You don't smell good anymore. And sometimes it hurts. Jesus said right here, this road is difficult. This road is hard, but it's the road that leads to life. So once again, when I read this, guess what Jesus is doing? He's telling me and you, you're going to have to make a choice. 
in life, it just won't happen. To walk in life and blessings, you're going to have to make a choice. To walk on the narrow road, I'm going to have to make a choice. I cannot abandon the word. I cannot compromise the word. This is what the word said. But, 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 but. No, 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 no. There's no buts and ifs in the word of God. Look with me just a couple pages over. I just want to read this one verse, Matthew 12. Matthew 12. As you're turning there, I want you to think about something that we just read. There's two roads. There wasn't three roads. There was just two. Life or destruction. Okay? There's not any more options. It's either A or B, okay? And Jesus, he makes this clear over and over again. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. The Amplified says, he who is not definitely with me. And you know what definitely tells me? Sort of, kind of, a little bit, or when it's convenient. Uh -uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So right here, guys, I believe Jesus is saying, guys, you got to draw the line in your life. And say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live by the word of God. Keep reading. Let me find out where I'm at. Verse 30, thank you. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. You know what one translation says? This is war. There is no neutral ground. Okay? So what is the Lord telling me again? I've either got to get in, get out, or get run over one of the two. Because when we look at, at lukewarm to Jesus, that means neutral. Lukewarm to Jesus means you're complacent. You're apathetic. And lukewarm with Jesus never was real popular. How do you know that? Turn back with me and way back there to Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. And so once again, I believe this, this wayside road, guys, is a road of, of compromise. And when you live by the world standards, guys, your heart's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Revelations 3 is where we're headed. And a lot of times, guys, when we live lukewarm, you know what we say? I'm okay. I'm not a bad citizen. I don't break the law very often. But that doesn't mean you live by the narrow road, okay? That just means you, you, you're trying to describe yourself because of society looks at you this way. Now, I should have started the service this way, but I didn't. But let me say this. I want to say thank you to all the men of our church and all you ladies too, but really the men, even this last weekend. I made a statement at the Men of Iron, and I said this. I thank God for the, the, the men and the women of this church they allow me to be me. And, and I mean that sincerely. And I shared some things at the Men of Iron that, guys, I'm telling you right now, it rocked some pastors. That they said to me, they said, I could never share what you shared from the pulpit. And I looked at them and said, listen, guys. I said, I, I can stand before the people of our church and say, I was a mess, guys. I was a royal mess. And the Lord told me that when I gave my heart to him and I started ministering, he said, you're going to be a living testimony of things not to do. 
I can honestly tell you guys, there's, there's days that I don't want to stand up here and tell everybody my problems. Actually, I, prayed, I play, uh, played tug of war with God down there. I said, Father God, I don't want to tell them what I've done. And I could see when I begin to share those things, men begin to look at me like, who are you? What are you? You're a bad person. No, I used to be. Let me take it a step further, just like you guys used to be. I had several men from other churches, they said, how do we give our, our pastor permission to be a man? And I said, man, you've got to let him get up there and share his heart and don't let it twist you when he does. Understand this, this is to help us. This is where we're even going with this, guys. I'm telling you, the things that began to change my heart was the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Now look in Revelations chapter 3, verse 15. Jesus' words, he said, I know your works. The Amplified says, I know your record of works. And you know, as human beings, it's pretty easy to bluff people, to trick people. Where they really don't know what's inside you or who you are. You can't fool God. God knows who you are. And I remember years ago, man, I was in my early 20s. And I I would literally go to work. I mean, not to work, but to church on Sunday mornings, guys. And I I was hungover. Hungover. I mean, my breath was that of Jack Daniels. I'm not going to lie to you. But I could get around people and I could speak in Christianese. And I could fool them, but you know what? I'd keep them at an arm's distance. I didn't want them smelling me. But God knew. God knew. And he goes on to say this in this passage. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. You know what he's telling us again? I wish you were either this or that. Now we can go back and we can look at every analogy today. I set before you life, death, blessing, and cursing. You choose the narrow road, the narrow road, the wide road. And once again, we fall into this right here. I wish you were either hot or cold. So again, you see over and over in the scriptures, there's not option C. Option C. I take door number three. No, 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 no. That's it. That's it, my wife gets after me. Sometimes I point with my middle finger accidentally, so if I did that, I, I apologize. I didn't, I didn't mean to be ugly, okay? <laughs> All right, verse 16. So then because you are lukewarm, and you know what he's talking about there? Spiritually. You're spiritually lukewarm. Listen to this. You're neither hot, cold, nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now this is pretty graphic here, guys. But I believe the Lord is wanting to show you that when I live lukewarm, I straddle the fence. I'm a saint on Sunday and a sinner on Monday. I became nauseating to him. And he says here, I'm going to vomit you out. You're not going to hang around me. Now think about this just for a minute. God's an God's a all-in God. God's an all-in God. And, and you think about even the, the, the Texas Hold'em tournaments. When God moves all-in, it's everything. God doesn't say, you know what, I'll put half in. No, God says, 
I want all of you. I want all of you. And I believe this is, this is what he's trying to get to. Every one of us. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and shall be done unto you. That word abide means I must live in him. I must remain in him. And I must continue in him. Turn to James chapter 1. Right back to your left just a little bit. James chapter 1. See guys, the word doesn't profit me. Just because I can quote it one time. The word doesn't, I don't care if you've read the Bible 23 times. It's not just about what you know, it's what you're doing with what you know. Now here's the thing about this thing. It can sit right here. And there'll be no fruit for it. There'll be none. So what has to happen, guys? I got to start getting the word in me. I got to abide in the word. I got to remain in the word. And this will begin to get the word of God in here like that. And then guess what happens? I stay in the word. And I stay in the word. And all of a sudden it starts covering up. And things begin to happen. Now the Lord began to move in my life just a few weeks to give me a visual illustration like that. I had a water leak in my backyard. And part of the area it was coming up was right in my garden. And I got some things planted. I got some red, red lettuce. It's outstanding. I got some broccoli. And I started looking, and where I was going to have to dig, there was one of my broccoli plants. And that dude had already started taking root. So I delicately began to dig right around him. And I dug him up. And I took him over a couple feet, and I retransplanted him. I say that to many of you. Maybe this has been your life where you've been on top of the soil. Maybe you've been rooted in the word at times in your life, but right now you're not. Listen, God will reroot you. He'll reestablish you. Are those words? That may not be a word, but you understand what I'm saying? So guess what I did? I took that broccoli plant, and I dug a hole over there, and I dropped him in. And I covered him back up. And I begin to water him. And I begin to water him. And guess what? No, he's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's healthy looking. I mean, I look and the Lord said, see, that's exactly what happens. Sometimes because of life, you allow the word of God to become unrooted. Get rerooted. Get reestablished. Get back in the word to some of you. Let the word take hold of you. Don't abandon the word, guys. Do, do not abandon the word, okay? The Word of God will, will heal your marriage. The Word of God will heal your home. The Word of God will heal every area of your life. But you've got to be all in. The Word of God is not multiple choice. Well, I'll do this one. I'll do... Uh-uh. James chapter 1. Verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness... And overflow or abundance of wickedness. You know what he's saying? you got to get this junk out of your life. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So you know what he's telling you here? Salvation, guys, doesn't come from, from the things of the world. The world or society's method. Salvation comes... When I receive the word of God, 
when I with meekness get a hold of the word of God. You know what meekness is? And I'm, it's a humility. It's a humbling. This is what the word says. The implanted word of God, which he said would what? Save your souls. Now I believe this, with, with everything in life, the word of God has scripture for it. With everything in life. The thing is, is I've got to get it in my heart and let it take root. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So guess what? We can come in here Sunday after Sunday and you can hear the word and hear the word and hear the word. But the word of God does not profit me just because I hear it. Something begins to happen when I do it. What does doing mean? I obey it. I obey it under any circumstances. I obey it no matter if people are criticizing me. I say, this is what I'm going to live my life by. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now this text shows right here the Word of God as, as means of reflection. So the Word of God becomes a mirror in which we are to look and to see ourselves. So when I look in the mirror, do I see the Word of God working in me? He tells us here that if you only hear the Word, immediately you're going to run and forget it. It begins to happen when you say, I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to, and some of you today, guys, you're going to have to make the decision. I'm going to live by the word of God. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, of freedom, the word of God, get this, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And I believe this, guys, that what he's trying to tell us here, you got to continue in it. Day by day by day by day. And understand this, each day that I continue in it, each day that I keep doing it, guess what happens? Roots are beginning to take place. Roots are beginning to take place. And after a period of time, guess what happens? You're going to have a big old pot of broccoli. You're going to have fruit. As a gardener, I understand that it doesn't happen overnight. But as long as I keep the weeds out, as long as I keep watering it, as long as I continue to take care of it, guess what? There's going to be fruit. But too many times, you know what? We settle or we say, the word's not working. No, no, no. We got to get back to the, the parable in Mark 4 where he said, man, when you keep the word and get the word on the inside of you, the word will bear 30, 60, 100 fold return. And he says right here, then you're going to be blessed. I believe too many of us are settling. You're settling for things that you shouldn't. You got to stay in the Word and make the Word. Do not abandon the Word of God. And that's one thing some of you are going to have to look at today and say, I've abandoned the Word. I've tried to do it my way. I'm going to tell you right now, you do it man's ways, you'll get man's results. You do it God's ways, woo, you get God's results. And God blesses. God bless us. You know, I, I sense this again here in the second service. It's kind of happened in the first service. 
You know, many times in life, you may not have any, anyone to speak the word over you or pray over you. And a lot of times when that happens, people just begin to settle. Life begins to erode them. I say that to say this, that I, I had a mother that never, never settled for what was happening in our lives. I had a mother that kept praying. Even, even in, in our darkest days, my mom kept praying. And he, she kept praying. And I don't know about you today, but I'm, I'm very grateful I had a mama and my dad would pray for me. My dad was at the, the Men of Iron this year, again. 